You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. I have such a good lesson, but it doesn't fit with this show. You have to wait till the next show. But it happens this morning. It's a great story. Stay tuned and make sure you listen to the next show. And, of course, to this one. Don't skip this show to get to the good story. You're not supposed to do that. Anyways, um, I am pretty good now. I'm pretty careful. I have this great foam pillow that I sleep on, sometimes two pillows, a lot of times just that one foam pillow. You know, they advertise all these different pillows and stuff. They're fantastic for me because in the old days, if I didn't have good pillows— I would get a terrible stiff neck. Uh, you know, interesting, we went up north, we talked about it. I, they had such soft pillows, I couldn't breathe because my head went like straight through the pillows and uh, it just, it doesn't work so good. Why am I talking about getting a stiff neck? And I don't have one. And it's, it's because what happens a day or two later when the stiff neck is gone? When the stiff neck is gone a few days later, you appreciate what it means to have a neck muscle that turns up and down and right and left and sideways, all the directions you need your neck to turn, and you're comfortable and everything is pleasant and you're in a better mood. Like if I have a stiff neck, not too many things put me in a bad mood. But if I have to be teaching or I have to be talking and, and I feel like I can't move and every little Every little motion, my whole body has to turn. I'm uncomfortable and I'm unhappy. So what? I, so, but the beauty is that when it's better, then you can appreciate what it means to have a working neck. Why do we want to talk about that? A very good question, and that is because the Jewish people are referred to in this week's Torah portion as a stiff-necked people. And the first time they're referred to, it's not with a good connotation. The second time, perhaps, maybe it is, but it would seem at first that it's a bad thing. So that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about why we call that stiff-necked people, what happened that we got that moniker, and how did Moses use that title of stiff-necked to the Jewish people's benefit? That's really what's important to us. So this week's story portion, we have the tragedy of an entire, well, we'll have to describe that, but an entire nation uh, being guilty of idol worship, which in itself is bad. What's worse is we got the Torah 40 days ago. God came down in his presence, his Shrina and the mountain and the fire and the smoke and the noise and Moses and God talking to the Jewish people and the people saying, we can't handle it, Moses, you talk to God. And Moses goes up for his 40 days and 40 nights to bring down the two tablets. And the second one says, you can't do idol worship. 
And that everybody heard. And we make a golden calf. What's going on? What, what, what is this story? How could this have happened? So first things first. So for most of those 40 days, we're just waiting for Moses to come down. I don't know exactly what the Jewish people were doing. Joshua was actually camped by the bottom of the mountain waiting for Moses. The rest of the Jewish people were doing whatever we were doing. It doesn't really say. But then we miscalculated. We thought the first day Moses went up counted as one of the 40. And it didn't because he went up by day. And in the Jewish calendar, you need a night and a day. And as the day follows the night, the night does not follow the day. So in the counting of 40 days and 40 nights, what we counted as day one counted as day zero. So now Moses is late, and the Jewish people are nervous. And the evil inclination was allowed to do things that should not, are almost unfair. Right? We've talked about it in the past. Seeing is not always believing. So the evil inclination made it cloudy and dark and thunderous and who knows what. And he showed a vision of Moses' body being carried into heaven. So people said, we're finished. No Moses? Who's going to lead us? Who's going to talk to us? Who's our go-between? And this was the problem, right? Who is our go-between between God and the Jewish people? Who's going to lead us to the land of Israel? So you had a lot of things playing at once. You have this evil inclination doing crazy stuff, which means seeing is not believing. You have to know what's true and what's not true. It doesn't matter what things look like. You have Moses not being here. You have Moses being late. You also have this group, a large group, probably more than the Jewish people, that were the tag-alongs. They were called the Erevrav. All these Egyptians that tagged along with the Jewish people and they're idol worshippers. So they say to the Jewish people, hey, you, you guys got to get an idol to lead the way. And we're, we're fresh out of Egypt. We don't know what to do. We are confused. Confusion is a terrible thing. We're going to talk about all these things soon. So they go to Aaron, and for some reason, it was understood that Aaron was not the leader. Like, okay, Moses is dead, so let Aaron take over. For some reason, that was not um, in the plan. Nobody thought that if Moses dies, that Aaron will take over, and I don't know why. But it's something interesting to think about why they didn't just say, well, let Aaron be the guy. And they told Aaron, we need, we need a go-between. We need something to go between us and God, God and us, someone to talk to us. Like Nobody else here can talk to God like Moses, so we need something. So Aaron says, go get the gold and jewelry from your wives. And they go home, and the wives pull out the frying pans and say, I don't think so. Because the women were good. They had nothing to do with this golden calf, and they rewarded. They all lived to go into the land of Israel. The, so then the men take their own jewelry. In those days, it was pretty normal for men to wear jewelry. Um, and they gave it to Aaron. He says, okay, you know, uh, I'll start working on it. He gets a fire and the pot, and he starts to melt it. And uh, then... Another sort of side story. We just need the background to, so we can get into what's happening over here. There was When Moses was in Egypt and the Jewish people were getting ready to leave, so Moses said to God, you know, the Egyptians put all these babies into the walls. Such a terrible tragedy. All these babies were put into the wall. 
can't they come with us? So God says, that's a bad idea. So Moses, no, no, why should these babies have died? We put in the wall, and God said to Moses, you think it's a good idea. Why don't you pick one? So Moses just points at the first brick, that one. So God says, no problem. Out, out of that brick comes the baby. Uh, that child's name, by the way, was Micha, very famous, because good things did not happen with him. So when Moses had to get the, the, the coffin of Joseph out of the Nile River, so he took a plate, either wrote God's name on it, or he wrote, the axe should come up, I'll lay sure. And he threw it into the water, and the coffin lifted out of the water, and Moses took it out, and I guess he didn't go fetch his plate. So this Micha took the plate. He takes this plate right now, and he throws it into the fire, and out comes a golden calf. Okay, RNCs were in big trouble, right? As the evil inclination is getting to do stuff that's really not normal. So what should we do? So Aaron tells the Jewish people, tomorrow will be a holiday to God, because Aaron knew that Moses was supposed to come the next day. And he was hoping everybody would sleep late, but they didn't. And actually, 600 people were running around dancing and bowing down to this idol. Now, 600 out of 600,000, it doesn't, shouldn't even count as a number. You know what I mean? Like, 600 out of 600,000? What kind of number is that? That's, you know, uh, uh, if, if 1% is 6,000, right? So this is a tenth of a percent? It's a negligible number. But the fact of the matter is that the Jewish people could have put a stop to it. It's only 600 people running around bowing down. So instead of everybody saying, okay, I'll mind my own business. You do what makes you happy. I'll do what makes him happy. Everybody be happy. Have a good life. That is a mistake. And the Jewish people should have put a stop right then and there and marched and said, we're not letting this happen. So obviously there was some level of culpability for all the Jewish people. God tells Moses, your people have sinned, go down, because you only have the right to talk to me when the Jewish people are deserving. They're not deserving right now, so you go down. Moses takes the tablets, he goes down, he breaks the tablets. Um, he walks right up to that idol, he crushes it. Now, obviously, the people, their whole intention was just a go-between, because Moses wasn't here. Moses is here, we don't need him. He crushes it, he sprinkles it in the water, he makes the people drink it, those who did part of it, who had some type of connection to this idol, died. So uh, there was a total of 3,000 people who died. Okay. So Moses says like this. So Moses goes back to God, right? And God tells Moses, really before Moses goes down, I'm sorry, just back up. So that's the story. So at first God had told Moses, I'm going to destroy the Jewish people because they are a stiff-necked people. That's why we're going to be destroyed. We're going to be destroyed because we served an idol. Right? God say very simple. <laughs> the second one of the Ten Commandments is don't do idols. You did an idol. You did an idol. I got to destroy you. you. You can't even survive 40 days when I tell you don't make an idol and you make an idol. You deserve to be destroyed. What does God say to Moses? The reason we're going to be destroyed is because we are a stiff-necked people. So Moses prays and God says, fine, I won't destroy them. We'll punish them slowly, slowly over the generations. But what we need to really understand is 
what is this conversation? God says we're stiff-necked people. Moses uh, sort of pushes away that problem, and God is okay. What? Why is being stiff-necked, why is that the problem that will cause the entire Jewish nation to be wiped out? What's so bad? So I actually have three different understandings of when we say someone is stiff-necked, what does that mean? What is the problem? Problem number one from Rev. Simchazisel Ziff, I think, is uh, that this is a character trait problem. In other words, idol worship, yeah, you made a mistake. You're not supposed to serve the idol. You serve the idol. You sinned. That's bad. But everybody can make a mistake. The character flaw in stiff-necked is that you can't admit you made a mistake. You can't listen to criticism. If you can't listen to criticism, if you're the type of person who can't admit that he made a mistake, then you're not going to repent. In other words, the whole idea is, yes, there's a lot of commands out there and people make mistakes and it's almost impossible to be perfect and there were four perfect people throughout history even the Moses of the world and the Aaron's of the world and the King David's of the world right they also sin they're not perfect but once they find out once they realize they sinned they have no problem admitting I did something wrong I made a mistake let me correct it we all know people on both sides, right? Wherever you work, whatever you do, whether it's parents, whether it's children, whether it's an office, I'm a teacher, right? So when I'm disciplining a child, when I'm explaining to a child what the child did wrong, the first thing I want to know is do you at least recognize you did something wrong? If you can't recognize that you did something wrong, we can't have a conversation because I can't help you correct something that you don't, you, you don't believe exists, you think you did nothing wrong. Same with children. Until the child can figure out that whatever it was that was done is is not, not acceptable, is not appropriate, is not the kind of behavior we expect, until I can show you that this is the wrong behavior, how can I fix it? Right? It's impossible. So God says if they're stiff-necked, they, they did idol worship. Fine. They can do a lot of idol worship through their history. But if they don't even admit, if, if their personality is such that they're stiff-necked and they cannot admit to a mistake, then there's no help for them. That's problem number one with this character trait of being stiff-necked. That's number one. Next, uh, Maimonides' son, he was known as Ravram ben Harambam. He says, stiff-necked, very fascinating. He says, a person who's stiff-necked is stuck in other words, when we got nervous, right, and we said, where's Moses, right, what did we do immediately? We went back to our old ways. And I was in Egypt. We did idol worship. God does the ten plagues. God takes us out of Egypt. God takes us through the sea. Now God gives us the Torah. So we're supposed to change. So as soon as we run into the first bump in the road, right, we think Moses is dead. We think Moses uh, is late. We don't know why he's late. We don't know what's going on. So our natural inclination is to go back to what used to be. That's stiff-necked. You can't change. You are stuck 
You are stuck in what you believe in. And that's a problem. Because God's trying to tell you that you were idol worshippers. Now I've introduced myself to you. There's a God, and I have rules and regulations, and you can't do things the way they always were. And and, and you can't change. If <laughs> you can't change, again, we have a major problem over here that you don't have the ability to change. You don't have the ability to change. So, uh, so the Jewish people has to be destroyed. Okay? Now there's a third one. The third one comes from the Abarbanel. Abarbanel was a uh, 15th century, I believe, commentary. I don't think it's considered the 16th century. He was from Spain. I happen to enjoy his way of thinking. I used to um, teach, lecture um, weekly uh, the Torah portion according to the Abarbanel. I had a group of people we studied for a bunch of years. We did different things over the years, but for a good three or four year period, we did the Abarbanel. It was, it was beautiful. So Bible else is like this. And that sort of goes back to my original discussion of what happens when a person gets a stiff neck. Right? When you get a stiff neck, it's hard to keep rotating. Right? In other words, you get into one position, it's just easier to keep your neck in one position. When a person has a stiff neck and he turns around, I know if I turn around, the mic doesn't pick me up. Right? So when we, we get when a person gets a stiff neck. And he turns around to see what's behind him. He he doesn't turn his neck back to see what's in front. Right? I call this consequences. In other words, I can look behind to see what's going on. But I need to be forward thinking to know the consequences of my actions. People that are stiff-necked do not look ahead to recognize consequences. And that becomes almost the biggest problem, right? In other words, I, I have to be forward-thinking, right? I have to know that anything I do, there's a consequence. I do this in class all the time. I'm not punishing you, right? Because punishments don't work. But there are consequences to actions. When you do a certain action, there's a certain consequence. If it's a good action, the good action will generally be rewarded. If it's a bad decision, then that will be, I don't want to say punished, but something will come with it because you didn't do your homework, right? So now there's a consequence because you didn't study for the test. So now there's a consequence. You're going to get a poor grade. Because you get a poor grade, you're not ready for the next step. It's a consequence. Sometimes even just using the verbiage, just using the words will help a child understand that when I do something, something's going to happen. Those children that cannot relate to to their actions having consequences end up suffering. I tell you, my son's a teacher in Miami. So he has a boy that has a lot of difficulties. And the boy somehow, it's, I don't know whose fault it is, maybe it's the boy's fault, maybe it's the parent's fault, maybe it's both their fault, maybe the boy needs help, he does need help. And, you know, he comes to my son, you know, I'm applying to camps and I know the camps are going to call you and make sure you give me a good report. Okay, so I don't think my son really answered him, or he said, I'll try. Really, the camp just called the principal. They must have gotten wind of who this boy was. And there's consequences, right? If you have difficulty relating to other people, relating to authority, not listening to a teacher, just walking out when you feel like it, talking in ways inappropriate, what makes you think the camp wants you? Like, all of a sudden, now you want to go to camp, so you think everyone's going to lie for you? They're going to find out who you are in five minutes, and they're going to bounce you. 
better you don't go in the first place. There's consequences to action. But if the Jewish people are stiff-necked and they think that there's no such thing as a consequence, well, now we have a problem. So really now very fascinating. So when Moses prays back to God, Moses says, God, you have to forgive the Jewish people because they are stiff-necked people. Hello? That's the whole reason why they're being punished. The whole reason that God wants to wants to destroy them is because stiff-necked. And Moses goes back and prays to God, you have to hang out with us because we're stiff-necked people. Like, hello? The reason God wanted to destroy us is because we're stiff-necked, not so much for idol worship. And now Moses says, God, you have to continue to hang out with the Jewish people because we're stiff-necked. It doesn't make sense. So there's Rabbi Yitzchak Nissenbaum, who actually was in the Warsaw Ghetto. He explains this is what Moses meant. And it's really a, a just it's a beautiful, amazing thought. And here's what happens. What now is a problem in the end will become our greatest virtue. Because the Jewish people are stiff-necked. Normally, we look at stiff-necked as being stubborn, right? That's all the list we said before, right? Stubborn people can't admit mistakes. Stubborn people make habits, won't change. Stubborn people won't look at the consequences, right? All these things fit into stiff-necked that you are stubborn, right? So now, what's going to happen to the Jewish people in the future? In the future, when the nations of the world will try over and over and over again, to get the Jewish people to convert, right? The Greeks wanted us to become Greek. The Romans wanted us to become Roman. The Christians wanted us to become Christians. The Muslims wanted us to become Muslims. But throughout our history, the Jewish people refused to change. We're the Jewish people. We do not just change our religion because you want to kill some of us or you want to torture all of us. Not changing. So that, that, Yitzhak Nissenbaum says that's, became our virtue. It's true we're stiff-necked, and therefore there was reason that God should think to destroy us. But Moses says, but we're going to take this character trait and use it to serve you, God, that once we get it in our bones, once it's inside of us that we will only serve God, we'll be the Jewish people, that is what will keep us as the Jewish people throughout the millennium. So he brings down an interesting story from uh, Josephus. Josephus tells the story that, uh, this is with the Romans, that 10,000 10, Jews came to, I guess it was a Roman general by the name of Petronius. I'm assuming I'm, I'm uh, pronouncing his name right. So his name was Petronius. So these 10,000 Jews came to Petronius with a petition. And the petition was, don't compel us to sin, meaning don't make us put a, a statue, a uh, in the temple or wherever he wanted the statue to be um, because we're not listening. And you're going to have to kill us. All 10,000 of us. So this Petronius said, are you threatening? Are you rebelling against the Caesar? That you're saying that if I'm not allowed to put this statue where I want to put it, that uh, you're going to all uh, rebel and make a civil, not make a civil war, make a war, make a rebellion against the Caesar. So they, they said to Petronius, absolutely not. We are not rebelling. We are not fighting. We are not uh, bearing arms. We're not even protesting like uh, those truck drivers. We're not even going to make a protest and shut down the country. 
But the fact of the matter is that we cannot do idol worship. We can't do it. You want us to do idol worship. So we can't fight you. We're not fighting. We're just going to all lay down here on the ground, and you're going to have to kill us because we can't do it. And they all threw themselves on the ground. So Josephus says, Petronius, uh, he must have sent a letter to the Caesar, but he gave in. Right? And that's our history. That's what we've been doing forever and ever because we are stiff-necked. But there goes the music. And I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have David Sisko and Andy in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Toro on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.